Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 411, June 26, 2020. In 1931, on this day, we set the record temp of 99 degrees. In uh, 1926, it was as chilly as 46 degrees. These records, which amuse me, are brought to you by our friends at Aquaside, keeping beaches free of weeds since 1956. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Broski. What's going on, bro? There's a great editorial in today's Star Tribune written by a guy named Joseph W. Anthony, who's an attorney. I have a call in to him. I would dearly love to talk to him. Okay. He is playing off the piece that Norm Coleman wrote last week. Yes. When Norm Coleman said the real problem in Minneapolis is defunding that incompetent city council. And this fellow, it's a long editorial. I beg GLers to read it. Okay. Because I, I can't read the whole thing. It would take too long. Right. But he starts off by saying, former U.S. Senator Norm Coleman is a conservative. I'm a liberal. But on this issue, defund and disband city hall leadership, our views align. The Minneapolis City Council and mayor have failed in their essential purpose of protecting all of our citizens and providing leadership. Where we differ... Where Norm and I differ is the reason for that failure. Hmm. The old axiom proved true in watching Minneapolis leaders confront the challenges of recent events. There are 13 city council members and a mayor who are in charge of Minneapolis government. When 14 people are in charge, no one is in charge. Let me stop right there. Interesting. Uh, in our in our own way, we've been saying that for years now. Where does the buck stop? Right. Well, this fellow's answering it. When you have fourteen people in charge, it will never stop. There's just there's there's zero it, the accountability. What flows through everybody with nobody taking the buck? Minneapolis has a weak mayor system. He places quotes around that. Other than superficial control over the police department, the mayor of Minneapolis is a relative figurehead, a cheerleader without a portfolio. The 13 council members have the power, the power of the purse, the power to legislate, the power to veto virtually anything the mayor does. The city council and its president run Minneapolis. The tension between the mayor and the city council could not have been more palpable than it was following the mayor's recent request to increase the number of police officers in the city. No, said the council of 13. The 13 knew better than the mayor. Thus, no additional officers. Got it. Uh, Let's get down to the Lisa Bender part. (laughs) Oh. The same city council further distinguished itself when nine of its members declared their support for defunding the police department 13 days after the death of George Floyd. What study or thought could have occurred within that short window to have caused the knees of nine council members to jerk so reactively? Of course, when nine members agree, no single one of them can be expected to explain what was meant by the announcement. 
There was no study, no contemplation, no plan, no meaningful explanation to a nervous public. As a result, the wisdom of the nine council oracles brought national attention to our city. Now the oracles want to amend the city charter to give themselves even greater control over the police department. What evidence suggests the Minneapolis City Council will do better with more power? Minneapolis has approximately 426,000 residents, of whom 340,000 are over the age of 18. The most powerful politician in Minneapolis is the president of the city council, Lisa Bender. She received a total of 4,883 votes in the last election. How undemocratic is it that a politician who received votes from slightly more than 1% of those over age 18, is the most powerful politician in the city. Bender was not elected by the people to be council president. She was elected by her fellow council members. Okay, I told you I wouldn't read the whole thing, but remember. it's very interesting, though. It's really a good piece. I hope he returns my call, because if we don't have him today, I'll be glad to have him next week sometime. Mm -hmm. The uh, uh, Here it is again. When there are 14 in charge, no one takes responsibility. They just continue to hide behind each other. Now, he does address what can be done. Yeah, what is his solution? Which is, why I, which is why I'm really anxious to speak with this fellow. Uh, the, challenge is, the, challenge is, the challenge to straightening this out is twofold. First, the city charter depends on 13 people coming to agreement where their respective provincial interests don't always align. This is a structural flaw in the city's governing document. It's arguably possible to overcome that flaw if there are highly qualified, competent city council members. But that's the second problem. The membership of this city council is demonstrated by its performance that it lacks the competence and vision to lead. He's really, really being polite there, isn't he? Because <laughs> these people are idiots. Right. They're, they're overwhelmed by reality. As citizens, we can continue to hope that the council members will become better equipped to lead. History, however, teaches us that relying on hope is not a plan. Minneapolis needs to change its city charter. It needs to adopt a form of government in which one person with a vision, with a dream for Minneapolis, can rise to the surface and lead. It needs a strong mayor with a vision and the power to implement it. It is impossible to change the Minneapolis Police Department to become business-friendly, to revitalize Block E and Nicollet Mall, when doing so depends on aligning the views of 13 council members and a mayor. The Minneapolis City Charter needs to be amended to limit the 13 city council members' influence to issues that are unique to their particular district. The charter also needs to be amended to make someone responsible and accountable in making the changes that need to be made. If we want meaningful change, we need to address the structural source of the problem, which has been leadership by committee. Thank you, Joseph Anthony. Wow. Who is an attorney in Minneapolis. Who who sounds like if he was in office... You might have some uh, a little GL blood there. The fundamental problem, and we're all witnessing it, is that none of them have a plan because they all have a plan. <laughs> when 14 have a plan, there is no plan. When all 14 are in charge, no one is in charge. And we have seen that in the last month of our interesting lives here in the Twin Cities. 
No one is in charge in Minneapolis. That's why it's failing. And it's such a it's a huge metropolis. And he he really has another great way to take on a Bender. Uh, Bender likes to bike to and from work. Good for her and those who like to bike. No coincidence that her passion has caused Minneapolis to become one of the most bike-friendly cities in the country. Too bad Bender doesn't like to create jobs as much as she likes to bike. Then perhaps she and other council members would spend more time making the city business-friendly. Wow. It's becoming now uh, businesses will be lining up to leave the city. You know, it seems to me as if they are playing office. You know when you're a kid and you yeah. playing office is just moving the stapler around and, and getting it. You never really do anything. It's just getting ready to do something. And that's basically what the city council is doing. They're you're playing office. They're playing office. I joke that I play office, but I'm a one-man show <laughs> right. in a made-up town, so I can't bring harm to any citizenry. But that's what I do. I play office because I have my stamps and my envelopes, and I still pay bills by check, and I like to call it playing office. You're exactly right. They're moving staplers around, and they're walking around with their iPads. But the problem is all 14 are in charge. Therefore, no one is in charge. The city charter needs to be amended. This was like a slow boil, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. A slow boil where we never we knew something was going on. Garage Logic has been on since '93, and you you were already onto it. And some people listened, some people didn't. But basically, you predicted this, and now we're in this. We're all in, and I don't think we can get out. The kayak is flipped. <laughs> That's kayak. later today. That's a reference to later the, on. In the, the kayak is flipped. We have <laughs> it was sent to me by an emailer. We have uh, two minutes of audio that perfectly, perfectly capture what we're up against in this country. Yeah. It perfectly captures the millennial. <laughs> it, it's, it's beyond, wait till you hear it. It's just wonderful. I, uh, I just, <clears throat> I, you know, I know there's all this stuff going on, and this COVID didn't help, but... There's a little bit going on, man. There's, you know, if, 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 we, if we didn't have the COVID... I mean, we still would be, it, it's, you get up every day and you go, what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's never anything good. Well, Minneapolis was, uh, Minneapolis was riding pretty high, I would say, as recently as what, hosting the Super Bowl? Yes. We got a new stadium. Uh, the Vikings are, you know, they're doing pretty good with Super Bowls here. Uh, we got top drawer stuff at U.S. Bank Stadium. So we were... We were in the spotlight. The decay since then is astonishing. And as Joseph Anthony points out in today's Star Tribune, it is hopeless to think this will change because the people who need to change the city charter would be presenting it in such a way that would affect the power they imagine they hold. It's astonishing to realize that someone as unequipped and as incompetent as Lisa Bender, with her mysterious views, is leading the city of Minneapolis on the basis of 4,800 votes. Wow. And they that city council can override any mayoral veto. So if Fry does not want to defund the police department, 
That makes no difference to the 13 council members, none of whom have thought it through, none of whom have a plan. Well, and think about this. If you think about what you, when we say, uh, when uh, when are things going to get back to normal? Well, there's really no, they don't want normal. Their normal is what they're doing right now. They don't, they're not looking for a point in time when we need to, uh, six months ago, a year ago, a couple of years ago, get back to uh, the business of the city. Uh, I'm going to hearken back to the old days when it was just you and me. I'm going to give you a quiz. <sighs> I did not study. Well, you're going to pay attention to this story. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Because in addition to the 14, which means there is no leadership, Minneapolis has something called the Director of Violence Prevention. Mm-hmm. Because like in St. Paul, uh, the city government of Minneapolis just keeps expanding exponentially as a result of there being no one to say stop and make a decision. Mm-hmm. So rather than make a decision... They create another job title. And the newest in Minneapolis is the Director of Violence Prevention. It will be essential that we work in partnership to develop a strategy to address the violence that we are currently uh, experiencing, said Sasha Cotton, Minneapolis Director of Violence Prevention. Remember now, it's a short story, but I'm going to be asking you a question. Yes. This comes in the aftermath of the COVID-19 outbreak, the police killing of George Floyd, and the days of unrest that followed. We know that violence, like other pandemics, is a contagious situation, said Cotton. In what the Minneapolis police chief described earlier this week as a public health crisis, the city is rolling out a hospital bedside prevention program to help bring an end to retaliatory attacks. That's critically important because we know that people that have been injured by violence, one, may be feeling a sense or need to retaliate. They or their loved ones may feel the need to retaliate. And we want to interrupt those patterns of retaliation, said Cotton. This also includes ensuring that the casualties of gunfire have the resources to get back on their feet. It's part of the city's larger plan to curb the violence. We're doing everything that we can to reduce that spread and work with our partners to address Partners is another way of saying no one's in charge right. uh, to address both the unrest that our commu- that our communities are feeling and the violence as a result, said Cotton. Uh, Cotton has also been working with community leaders and neighborhood groups on gun violence prevention measures. What most strikes you as uh, what most strikes you about this? Um, that they say that they're working to prevent violence. And we can't, it's the same as saying we do not accept this violence and destruction in the city of Minneapolis. How is she going to uh, prevent violence when there's already measures in place to prevent it? You're you're overthinking it. Okay. not the answer I'm looking for. Okay, while you were reading it, uh, you hit a point where she said we need to talk to our partners to find out what this is to um, uh, what would we say to generalize it and, and, and tell everybody what it is? I thought right there you could say, "What are your thoughts? What are you?" Uh, let thinking? me help. Let me help you out. Damn it! It's let like the help. old days, huh? Yep. Let me, <laughs> let me straighten you out, Buckaroo. Yeah. Let me let me Take give you a little help here. Take it, baby. Isn't it a little late to oh. be talking about violence if you have to do it bedside in the hospital? Aren't you? That's true. That's a little. I didn't. That did not occur to me. Yes. Aren't you already the victim of violence? 
What this does, it seems to legitimize the hospital visit as an example of just something in the process of the healing they imagine. No, Sasha, by the time you're in the hospital, it's a little too, too late, late to talk about violence prevention. You're already in the hospital. How could we prevent what happened to you again? Well, let me well, tell Well, that's you. basically what, what, what she seems to be saying is we're here to talk about prevention of retaliation. So... You're going to accept the first round of violence, but then you're going to talk to the poor sap who's got his arm shot off in the hospital, and you're going to say, now, Bob, when you you get back out there, what's what's a plan? We have partners in place that will steer you through, uh, you know, some uniform emotional adjustment, and uh, we don't really expect you to retaliate. So that, this is part this is part two of a violence prevention program. We'll join you in the hospital. We'll take it from there. This is the most obscenely ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Here's the problem in the United States, ladies and gentlemen, of Gumption County. Ever since Lyndon B. Johnson brought about the Great Society, and you can follow the data. We're data-driven, aren't we? We're data-driven. 100%. We have to go to the data every day, don't yep. we? Yep. Follow the data and... Look how generation after generation of black family has been ruined by 50 years of liberal progressivism. It's that simple. Look at the absence of men in the family. Look at the absence of of the expectation of responsibility, uh, which every black man, woman, and child in the world is fully capable of uh, demonstrating and should not be excused from that this is this is what we are as human beings we have that uh ability and we have that i mean that's just that's society walking through society not saying the n-word and even though you mean it as a uh, you're my buddy no it's foul the problem is that the moral and ethical grounding has been taken away. And it's resulted now in, what, the third or fourth generation of young people who have no grounding in fulfilling their social contract. I just watched a video. uh, Let me find it. uh, Much of which I agree with, much of which I don't. Can't play it because it's too full of F words. But it's a woman named Kimberly Jones. Uh, apparently uh, speaking with uh, Trevor Noah. And Kimberly Jones is a young African-American woman, and she she said, imagine you've played Monopoly for 400 years, but you aren't allowed to have any property or any money. (laughs) And she's... She's she's making a good point, except I would take issue with her that that she certainly is allowed to have property and she is allowed to have money, but but that stain is there. It's that it's there in the black community and it's painful. It's painful, and 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 she said, we don't care about tar. You know, you you accuse the blacks of burning down their own communities. They don't own it. She said they don't own it, meaning. Meaning they're maybe not okay, maybe not Target, but they own the oh, barbershop. She, she, she takes after Target, bleep Target, oh. bleep 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 the National Football League Hall of Fame. I think she was speaking from Ohio. Uh, bleep all this. We have no ownership stake in it. So when you say to us, "Why are you burning your own community?" It's because we don't own that community. To which I would respond, "I differ with you, Kimberly. Of course you own it, and if you don't, you certainly can." And but it's uh, it's it's six minutes. Uh, people can go on the YouTube and find it. Kimberly Jones is her name. 
And again, much of what she says I agree with. Uh, but I, you know, she wants to hold me, the generic me, uh, personally responsible for this. And I, I reject that. Uh, I'm not responsible for this. I'm not responsible for the creation of the great society. I'm not responsible for the destruction of the home. I, I am responsible for doing everything I possibly can to alleviate any pain the likes of which Kimberly suffers from. And by that, all I can do is just be a friendly person, say, hi, how you doing? Right. And I'm not rooting against you. I, I want I'm you, rooting for you. I want you to have a house. I want you to have a car. I want you to have a wonderful life. That, that's and, the American. That's that's our dream. And to Kimberly Jones, I would say what I've said over and over and over again. Quit asking or expecting the left to do you a favor. They are turning you in to a less than. Their condescension and disingenuous is what's ruining your family, Kimberly. It's not me. It's not Rookie. It ain't Reavers, Height, and Olson. It ain't Garage Logic. It ain't Gumption County. Quit expecting or asking the left to do you a favor. Black parents of school children, I beg you to get your act together and not let the public education, the institution of public education, turn your child into a less than. If I'm the if I'm the king right now of public schools, I expect as much. I expect the same thing out of every kid that walks through that door, and every kid that walks through that door will experience the same discipline. End of story. Right. End of story. No questions asked. Not 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 by me. Not by me. <laughs> oh, it's frustrating. Because you, you have the answer. You you just gave well, the answer. Well, it's not just it's not just me that no, has no. the answer. It's data that has the answer. Right, but following that path and we love our data. You you can't not succeed, double negative there. You mm-hmm. can't not succeed if you follow that path. Timmy, well you you, st- you, st- you you statistically Cannot fail. Well, you could get hit failure, by a bus failure, failure is uh, a part of the human spirit. It can happen to everybody. But statistically, if you follow some basic rules, statistically you won't fail. Graduate, get married before you have a child, get a, have a job before you have a child, and statistically you will avoid poverty. And you will be able to buy the TV set and the necklace that Kimberly Jones says uh, is gone after through broken glass windows because there's no other way we can get it. I take issue with that statement that's, as that's, well. That's baloney. I take issue with that statement as well. I don't take issue with her pain. And she she articulates it very well. I, I love the Monopoly analogy. And the Monopoly analogy worked up until, I would say, about 50 years ago, mm-hmm. if not longer ago. Uh, have you been spending uh, uh, summer evenings in your backyard? Yes, I have. I've are got mis- these, I've got these tiki free? torches, but they just don't they don't keep the mosquitoes away. Tiki you know what tor- I mean? Hey, hey, tiki torches are ding ding. What you need is mo shield, mosquito yeah. shield. They get rid of my two main pests in life: mosquitoes and ticks. They don't come out and promise you're going to get rid of every bug on your ground. They don't care if you got an ant walking around, but they're going to get rid of the mosquitoes and ticks. They're owned and operated by GLers. Uh, these guys kill mosquitoes and ticks uh, with the ticks. I love them. Ray and Mike are a father-son team. They own and operate two franchises of Mosquito Shield here in the Twin Cities. Their territory runs 
Uh, the western border is 169, and they run east all the way to the river, north all the way to Forest Lake, and south all the way to Lakeville. And this is their expertise. You can't buy their product at Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Store. It's a proprietary blend. It was invented by the founder of Mosquito Shield. Normally, I would normally I would wink and and, and give you a nod about no, oh, no, it's our special. No, it is. It works. It works. And they're GLers, so I trust everything they say. Uh, and they'll take care of you, uh, and they stand up to their work. If you need them in between applications, they'll do an additional service call at no charge, and they keep this up until the ticks and the mosquitoes go dormant. Woo. Find them at MoShield.com, M-O-S-H-I-E-L-D.com, MoShield.com, or give Ray and Mike a call at 612 619 one five five six because Ray and Mike GLers they want you to choose when it's time to go outside, not the mosquitoes and ticks. We shall return in a moment. Garage Logic on a Scramble Friday. How oh, I forgot about, about that. that. Yeah, yeah, we got a scramble going. Say, let's return to the fourteen people. In Minneapolis, who constitute power, which means there is no power, because when you have 14 people with a plan, there is no plan. But they're moving forward with their uncertainties. A new proposed amendment would remove requirements for the city to maintain a police department from the Minneapolis City Charter, while adding a new division called Law Enforcement Services with licensed officers. The proposed changes come as a group of city council members work to defund the Minneapolis Police Department. Under the current charter language, the city council is required to fund a police force of a size proportionate to the city's population. Changes being considered in the amendment would remove that requirement along with an entire section on the police department. The proposal replaces that language with a new department, the Department of Community Safety and Violence Prevention. Mm -hmm. The changes also remove minimum officer requirements within the new community safety departments, it, department, instead saying the council is responsible for adequately funding the replacing department. How can they be? Huh. When 13 people are in charge, no one's in charge. Right. Along with the Department of Community Safety, the amendment would add a division of law enforcement services, which would be composed of licensed peace officers under the purview of the director of the Department of Community Safety and Violence Prevention. Are you following me here, GLers? Thus, the exponential growth in government. Because they believe government is the answer. Well, That's really the only thing they all share in common. Joe, back to the, uh, the uh, cotton uh, what was her name? Sasha. Sasha Cotton. Did you see the budget for their, uh, they will have an annual budget of $457,000. To go to hospital beds, which is a little late in the chain of violence. Yeah, yes. Here's half <laughs> the, a mil. Wow. The last person, if I'm laying in bed having been shot, the last person I want to see is some city worker come in and tell me, are you okay? And how does this make you feel? No, I just got shot, you moron. <laughs> I lost my thumb. <laughs> God almighty. While the current charter language gives the mayor complete control over the police department, including hiring the chief, the new proposal would put the mayor in charge of nominating a director for the new department that would be appointed by the city council. So the 13, giving themselves more power as, uh, as uh, what's his name, Anthony, 
Joseph Anthony wrote, what evidence do we have that an incompetent city council should bestow upon themselves more power? That person would be someone who has non-law enforcement experience in community safety and violence prevention, which could include public health and restorative justice approaches. The new, the appointed director would in turn choose the leader of the law enforcement services division. It's unclear exactly how this structure would differ from the current structure. However, for any of these changes to take place, the amendment will likely have to be approved by a public vote. And here's my fear. What, what, name 10. Will enough of the Minneapolis voting public awaken to what's happening to their city? How do you mean? Uh, recent results and just everything? Will, will enough Minneapolitans produce work for and vote for candidates who understand what the real problem is. And the real problem isn't these adult children playing office. And I'm afraid, what I'm afraid of is that the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, there are, there are increasing numbers of people who vote and don't really have an oar in the water have really no skin in the game when it comes to paying property taxes, for example. You have an increasing number of people with no skin in the game who expect to be taken care of by the types of people they keep electing. And the types of people they keep electing have proven to be wholly and thoroughly incompetent. So my fear is, are there enough voters in Minneapolis who want to save that city and throw these people out on the street where they belong because they are not competent? But that's half the battle. The other half is, can we find some people of quality, and we'll take it at this point, anybody, to run? Because if they have to vote for the same like-minded people, we're still at peg number one. Well, and if if the question of creating this... Wizard of Oz new uh, imagined police force. They're doing this at a time when 1,600 reports of gunshots in 30 days. Mm. If if the public, uh, if this gets to a vote of the public, and enough of the non-stakeholders turn out, of course it would be appealing to them to not have a conventional police force. Of course it would be. They have they have experienced harm at the hands of the police. That can be undeniable. But they also have experienced great help at the hands of the police. But they've been sold a bill of goods. They've been sold. They are to believe that the uh, police department, I think this would be true the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings all around the country. Many of the people without a lot of skin in the game have been told that they are merely victims of a systemic racist police institution, and of course they would vote to disband it. Only to discover down the road what a tremendous mistake that will be. They're already, you weren't here yesterday, there was a piece in the New York Times, June 24th, a very precious piece about how all of the residents around Powderhorn Park have taken a pledge not to call the police. 
and it's backfiring on them because now there's a homeless encampment in Powderhorn right. Park. There's increased traffic. There's crime. There's drug use. And these same people who traditionally had called on the police now have taken a vow not to call the police because they don't want to bring any pain to black residents of the area. In other words, the presence of a police car or a policeman would be traumatizing. So now they're paying the price for this ridiculous virtue signaling by staying up all night with a one woman staying up with a baseball bat in her hands. As afraid, people rifle through the alleys. and Afraid that people are going to break into her home. And she's one of the hippy-dippy Mysterians right. who, you know, Right. Arts and crafts and the whole deal, but she's uh, she's she's she'll never admit it in so many words. But she dearly loved to be able to call the police again, but she can't because these Mysterians have created this pledge for they themselves. Uh, just like there's a, a school board woman in uh, St. Paul named Chantil Allen who uh, was among the five school board members who voted to discontinue the presence of St. Paul police mm-hmm. in the so, the seven high schools in the city by saying that uh, that would be trauma for the child. Isn't that tantamount to her teaching children not to respect authority? Yeah. If she's telling them, oh, I understand you're traumatized by a police officer, she might as well be saying to them, I don't expect you to ever obey a police officer or respect authority. This is who you're dealing with, people. I'm getting tired of pointing it out. Well, This is what we're dealing with. But uh, to your point about the Minneapolis people, I see that what you're saying. Maybe the people of Minneapolis, the regular people are like, what are we doing? This is not, uh, this is not the Minneapolis or St. Paul but we want to live or send our kids to school at. Maybe that maybe that maybe that's the low point. It's so low that people are going to go. Uh, the emperor has no clothes. Mm-hmm. Damn. I'm looking for the paragraph where Anthony wrote about his love for Minneapolis. He's lived in Minneapolis. I think he said for 46 years at some point. Okay, well, he's uh, seen quite and, a few changes, and he loves the town. But he's he's. Uh, well, I read his piece. He's, he knows what the problem is, and it needs to be remedied. But he might be one of the first dominoes to fall. He might be one of the first people you're talking about saying, um, this ain't working the way we're doing it. We we need some changes. Or maybe it'll inspire him to run. Or like-minded people. I have lived in Minneapolis for 46 years. During that time, what has the city council done to clean up Block E and Hennepin Avenue? Nothing. Witness the fear of people who stand on Hennepin waiting to take a bus. Witness the shootings. Witness the absence of any meaningful restaurant or entertainment venues on Hennepin Avenue. Who takes responsibility for cleaning up Hennepin Avenue? When there are 14 in charge, no one takes responsibility. Take Nicollet Mall, please. The city council spent $50 million in taxpayer money to revitalize the mall. What did the city get? Nicollet Mall is the Midwest equivalent of Death Valley. Walk down the mall on a spring or summer evening. The only noise in the evening comes from buses or an occasional gunshot. The opportunity to create outdoor dining in the summer, a meeting place at noon, or a revitalized retail space has vanished. Dayton's, Donaldson's, Penny's, Sports Authority, take your pick, all are gone. Retail has blossomed in the North Loop, despite the city council, not because of it. The failed rehabilitation of Nicollet Mall is a testament to the city council's incompetence. Find it today, GLers, in the uh, 
Star Tribune. Fire. See, I I feel, Matt, I feel that I need to make a public statement in my role as fireworks commissioner. Let's go. Let's hear it. It's coming uh, up. That's just around the corner, by the way. Too many fireworks are being shot off in Minneapolis. As your fireworks commissioner, this is not how fireworks were intended to be used. Tomorrow, uh, it'll be a month since George Floyd's killing. Since then, we have been on high alert uh, and hearing constant sounds of fireworks. I would sleep during the day because we would be up all night. This is according to uh, a fellow named Henry Colbert, Jr. Many of us are suffering from lack of sleep to add to this, or is it just another layer of angst? Oftentimes, you have to ask, are these fireworks or gunshots? Colbert, Jr. is not alone. On Sunday, DJ Hebert asked the same question moments before someone shot him and 10 others in Uptown on Father's Day. He was among 11 who survived stray bullets. Yeah, let's let's defund that police department, huh? Yeah, right on it. St- uh, shots started ringing out, and it sounded like they were coming from multiple places. There were fireworks going off, too, so it was hard to discern if it was fireworks or gunshots, the 30, 30-year-old said. But after a while, you realize they were gunshots. Minneapolis records show so far this year... There have been 336 fireworks complaints. More than 40 of the complaints were in May. In 2019, there were only three fireworks complaints in May and 133 complaints for the whole year. There are sleepless nights all around the country. In Southern California, fireworks complaints are up 400%. New York has seen more than 8,000 complaints this month. Boston police are getting called. At coincidence, at some point, coincidences stop being coincidences, Colbert said. So I don't believe it's a coincidence. I don't know what's behind it. And that is the thing that is so unnerving. You don't know if it's kids getting a hold of fireworks or if there's something else behind it. These are not firecrackers. These are industrial grade. Uh, consumer fireworks retailers have reported that sales are off to a record-breaking start. The uh, American Pyrotechnics Association predicts an all-time high in backyard consumer fireworks sales and use as families prepare to celebrate Independence Day at home due to the pandemic. A Minneapolis City Council person said reducing the number of noise complaints to 911 dispatchers will allow emergency calls to be answered as quickly as possible. Instead of calling 911 for Fourth of July noise reports, people are asked to make noise reports online. The reports will be reviewed during normal business hours. <laughs> noise reports may also be made through the night uh, through the 311 mobile app or by calling 311. Although Minneapolis 311 is closed July 4th. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you'd think that would be the night they'd have they'd be manning the ship. Somebody would hey, be on call. Hey, city leaders, of which there are none because there's too many of you. Uh, these fireworks have nothing to do with celebrating America. They're being shot off by people who are, are a little opposed to America at the present time. Hey. I, I don't know why there is a concerted uh, effort around the country to be shooting off so many fireworks In uh, the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it retaliation? Is it, a, is it an adrenaline rush? You know, I, I know how we'll find out, though. Oh. Well, the first time a kid loses his eye, uh, to fireworks violence, he'll be visited by the by oh, Sasha Cotton, who yes. will say, "Now, are you all right? Now, you know, how can we avoid this the next yeah, time? Yeah. Um, what's your retaliation?" Yeah, yeah. I think I got a big gang of kids here just getting ready to go to a relative's lake property for mm-hmm. swimming, 
and it has been kept weed-free by Aquaside. Nice. It's going to get to 87 today. I don't know when, but the kids are excited. Aquaside has been helping people maintain Great Lake shores for more than 60 years with a complete line of lake and pond control products that take care of everything from weeds to algae. When I'm out on my afternoon pontoon ride on Spoon Lake, I can tell you who's used Aquaside because that's where the kids are. Mm. These products are easy to use. They work right away. They're registered with both the EPA and DNR, and their products are completely safe for you, the fish, and those sunnies. And water. Everything's healthy. Don't let the weeds, don't let the weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer. Call today. Aquaside White Bear Lake Company will help you identify your weed problem and make sure your place looks great all summer long. Call Aquaside at 1-800-328-9350 or go to aquaside.com. Rook, when we come back. Yo! Let's give the uh, residents of Garage Logic a little, <laughs> little taste of what we're up against. Okay, we got All it. Right? All got right. It. As the mayor said, it's almost the 4th of July. You got your fireworks yet? The Joe Sushrite Garage Logic Podcast. Do you have the email I forwarded to you about the kayak incident? I do. Uh, well, give the emailer some credit. I, I must have deleted it after I forwarded it to you. I will. Let me... Because uh, he says, I thought you would find this interesting. <laughs> well, he knows who he is. Let's go. All right, here, here, here are two kids. Two kids. I, I don't know. In their 20s, Rook, you think? Yeah, that was uh, Pete Sandborg. Thank Pete. Pete Sandborg. Uh, these are two kids... Uh, and we're confident that no one suffered any harm here, right, Rook? Uh, yes, I, I'm sure. This, <laughs> Mental this, harm, yes. But, this uh, wasn't this wasn't filmed to to capture a nautical disaster. These are two young people out on kayaks in what appears to be a marshy area. What really good looking, clean water, and what have you. It's like going to Taylor's Falls Canoe and and renting a kayak. This is the you'd be on the Saint Croix River. Yeah. Well, so here they are out in their kayaks. Wait, wait. I'll set it up further. Yep. As we pick this up, uh, it's a male and a female, and uh, the male's name is Matt, and the female's name is Sarah. As the video begins, we see that Matt somehow has managed to get his kayak filled with water, mm-hmm. and he's flailing like Chris Farley entering the pool. Yes, and 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 his love, his love of his life, Sarah. Loves him so much and cares for him that she just decides to go, screw it, I'm just going to film him. Can't stop laughing. (laughs) Here we go. Sarah, this has never happened, and if I move it, sink slower. Oh, Sarah, help me. Oh, my God, hold on. Sarah, help me. He's got a life jacket on, by the way. (laughs) Sam. Sarah, I don't know what to do. I can't help it. I'm sorry. Can you get my... Stand up. No. Yes. No, there's... It's too deep. (laughs) (laughs) He was touched by some seaweed. (laughs) He goes, ah! too deep here. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, no. See, the kayak is rolling around. (laughs) It's got seaweed on him. That's it. Oh my god! I don't know what to do. Oh no, Sarah! Oh my god! What do you want me to do? I don't know how to help you. You need to go to land and go flip your. 
kayak I over. I can't. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, I don't know what to do. Now he's flipped over the kayak. Listen to me. Listen to me. He's on top yeah. of it. Sarah, help me. Oh and it's God. rolling again. It rolled over full oh, of water. No. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Elton John. Yeah. He looks like a young Elton John. Honest to God, help us uh, the all. Line of God the, help us all. The line of the day was when she says, "You need to get to land." <laughs> yeah, like she's got her, <laughs> she got her hand over her eyes and she's peering into the horizon. <laughs> land ho! <laughs> I love that. Now, oh. now you might think we're we're having sport with someone that was seriously in trouble. Well, first he had a life jacket on. Yep. And second, the kayak couldn't sink. It wasn't going to sink. No. So the worst that could happen to this moron is just cling to the kayak and then. Sarah or somebody could have figured out a way to tow him to what Sarah called land, <laughs> which was twelve feet away beyond the uh, beyond the uh, the oh, pussy willows. I, 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 could that could could he have known? Is it possible he was doing a bit? No, I, I don't think I, I so. Don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay, let's let's over over analyze. All right, run me through his his education. Uh, kindergarten through high school. What was he told? You got me there. I don't know. Uh, um, okay. He was just saying, uh, he was probably told, um, uh, you're great. You're the best. You're never going to lose. Uh, we, we don't really give bad grades. Everything in his life has been hunky dory and hokey pokey. I don't have a worry in the world. So then, as you've said in the past, people losing their, uh, their relationship with nature. But how, yeah, how did the kayak get full of water in the first place? He, he must probably not paying attention. When you're in a kayak, what do you? He might have rolled it a little. or don't something. Don't roll. Yeah, don't. Especially him. This guy can't roll it on. Per, he did it by accident. But oh yeah, that's what I've said. His upbringing was not preparing him for life to oh. solve the problem and also for to go on the water with nature. But at oh least he was smart God. enough to have a. a you know oh. what that body of water needed? What aquaside. Oh yeah, they had a lot of weeds. And every time you heard him freaking out, is because he touched a weed. <laughs> yes. He was new seaweed would touch his body. Ah! <laughs> oh well, you know what? I tell you what. I'm going to tell you about two GLers right now, Joe, yeah. that know exactly what they're doing. And if they were in a kayak, first they'd keep it up, right? Because they're GLers. It's Troy and Tim. I just met with them earlier this week. We were talking about solar, solar yeah. energy, solar energy for your home, but also. The business owners out there, Livewire Solar can help you save money with a custom-designed solar energy system for your business. What about money? Well, how does this sound? You can install a system with no out-of-pocket costs and pay for it in four to six years with the money you save on your energy bill. There's all sorts of details for you to think about, but no out-of-pocket and your system is actually paid for in four to six years is a great deal. So... If you want solar for your business or your home, call Livewire Solar. They're the Midwest solar experts, and they know about additional uh, local incentives that could save you even more money. We talked about that when we were doing the meeting. Most Livewire Solar customers almost see immediate savings. Call them. Find out. There's no obligation analysis of your building. You want to be independent? Be 
independent, and you know what? You're not going to be completely off the grid, but with solar energy, you are going to be independent. 651-688-2400 or go to LiveWireSolarMN.com. No obligation analysis. These guys are GLers. Tell them Rook sent you, and they'll take care of you. 651-688-2400 or go to LiveWireSolarMN.com. These guys are a general electrical contractor. 5950. And they will help your business with any electrical needs as well. It is Live Wire Solar Such. Say, Ruck, we've been lamenting uh, the law. I have been lamenting uh, the passing of my dear friend, Brother Leonard, who was a Civil War uh, savant yes. when I was in high school. He became Brother Bus, as you know. Yes. Jim Wheelock reminds me of something terribly important. What's we that? have another Civil War expert in our circle, the football general. The football general was. Yes. Remember, you were going to send him to Gettysburg. He, do you, do you have any way of contacting him? Ooh, uh, maybe Patrick does. Does does the general still call uh, Score North? My guess is no. Uh, I haven't. I heard hope he's still with while. us. Oh, I'm sure he is. Uh, I'll have to look because I'm sure at some point he's given me his uh, phone number or email address. I just can't remember his last name. That's the problem. But I will. I will look for him. Garage Wood has come up this week, and we got a great note from Mike in Duluth, who uh, writes, A recent GL emailer described his precious garage wood and said it served its purpose when needed or when the stores were closed. What? I think all GLers, especially new listeners, need the mayor to clarify the difference between garage wood and extra lumber. Garage wood just shows up or is bequeathed to you specifically as garage wood. In my opinion, extra lumber is leftover wood that can be used to build something or complete a small construction project. GLers should know the difference. You would never desecrate garage wood by using it to build a box chair, and you cannot call extra lumber garage wood because it doesn't qualify. You cannot buy garage wood in a store. That's absolutely true. Right. You can see in the attached photos that I have considerable amount of garage wood, including some long chucks of 4x6 Douglas fir, which was salvaged from the rebuild of our 60-year-old family lake home years ago. You can also see a large selection of extra lumber from various past projects that can be used in future projects. I know the difference. I respect my garage wood and would never confuse it with any ordinary extra lumber. I can also use my extra lumber for campfire kindling, but would never use any of my garage wood for that. At some point in the future, I will be giving all of my garage wood to my son so it can live on for many more honorable years. Loyal listener and proud member of the Royal Order of 21sters, Mike in Duluth. P.S. That rusty chunk of steel in one of the photos is one of my most precious pieces of garage metal, Mm. a decades-old 20-inch section of railroad rail that serves as a perfect anvil when needed. It just showed up one day. Yes, if you're new to GL, when we talk about garage wood, it is pieces of wood in your garage that you will need. You just don't know when. You don't <laughs> right. know how you got it. Uh, in many cases, you don't know how you got it. Uh, in many cases, you don't know where it came from, but it's there. And you don't know when you'll need it. I happen to need two really nifty pieces of my garage wood this week to block the wheels on a trailer. And it was there. And yes. I had it, and now I don't know when it'll get used again, but you must have it. It's now, like, here's another. Here's Gary. You know Gary, uh, the Nativity Gary sure. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that moved to uh, Mendota yep. Heights. He's a great guy, great family. 
I am the guy who wrote you weeks ago about moving from Highland Park to Mendota Heights. As a homeowner of 28 years, I had a nice collection of garage wood. I had two nice workbenches in both the basement and garage and a nice collection of garage wood. In taking the pictures for the sale, the realtor told me he wasn't showing the basement workbench, even though I took great pride in it. Cut marks, drilled holes, paint stain, oil yeah. decorated the bench. He said today's millennial wouldn't know what to do with a workbench, hence the kayak misadventure, <laughs> and they'd probably take it down. Well, during the burnout of cleaning and moving to prepare for the sale, I looked at the collection of garage wood and figured I'd start some young and possibly knackless millennial off to a good start. There's optimism. With properly seasoned garage wood. I was provided no garage wood with the home I bought in Mendota Heights, but I have already started on my new collection. Was I wrong to not take my garage wood with me? I sometimes worry if it is not being put to good use, and I should have kept it. My wife even asked me once if I took the garage wood with me, Gary in Mendota Heights. I think, uh, Gary, that you did what uh, a charitable garage logician would do you bequeathed in good, in good faith and bequeathing it is how you often require uh, acquire garage wood so that's exactly what you did and i think that you uh, you are to be commended for that the one thing that must be repeated you cannot buy garage wood right you can't go to a lumber yard and say i need two you know, six, uh, six by six square inches or, or, or 12 by 12, a couple of blocks. No, you have to come by them. You have to come by them in some sort of honest fashion. Uh, mine have been in the family since I think about 1904. Mm-mm. And when the uh, place I grew up was getting sold, I took them out of the garage, which is perfectly legitimate. It is, but that's the first thing a guy does when he goes to his new garage is looks around to see what kind of wood they got uh, left over. Well, oftentimes when you buy a house, like in Gary's case, the new owner will find that an honest man left him the precious endowment of garage wood, which you never know when you'll need, but you will need it. He also notes, P.S., the cranberry wild rice summer sausage at Grundhofer should be the next rave after the meatloaf. It is delicious. The cranberry wild rice summer sausage at Grundhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. Isn't that sound wonderful? I have had that. I have had Mm. that. It's uh, fantastic. Have you tried the new brat yet, the Italian Supreme? Not been up there yet. I gotta go. I should go. I, the next two days I should go because I got a smoker and I gotta just, I gotta really work on Spen- Spen- Spencer approves of meatloaf in the smoker. Okay. That's how, that's what I'm doing then. The Italian Supreme brought, brought is mild Italian sausage, red and green bell pepper, onions, mozzarella cheese, cheddar cheese, hot pepper cheese, the beer cheese soup, and bacon brats are yeah. still going strong. And they're making as much meatloaf as those Santa's elves can possibly, <laughs> possibly make. Whether they this, want to or not. This is, uh, this is the Garage Logic meat capital of the world. Everyone is discovering it. It's Garage, it's uh, Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. It's right on the north end of Hugo on Highway 61 because Garage Logic owns Highway 61. Damn right. Pat Roycey joining us in a moment.
Hey, Pat. Yes, Joseph. I got a little something you never bring up when you're playing the game of flaws. Oh, okay. Uh, it's from Dennis. Uh, wife. Okay. Wife. Okay. Do you think I have gained weight since the quarantine? Husband. You were never that skinny before the quarantine. <laughs> Time of death, 11 p.m. Cause of death, COVID. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's pretty good. Hey, I got a new one, though. I came up with this a couple of days ago. Because uh, it was, you know, when uh, you did something and you should have done something else. Yes. And you're told that. Right. And I, I used this strategy two days ago, and it kind of it kind of worked there. It was, you know, I thought about that option, yeah. and I contemplated it. Really, I, I kind of balanced the two together uh, and, and decided for this reason to take this option, but I can certainly see how the other one could have seemed viable also. <laughs> and I considered it. Uh, Make it sound like you, you know, you really contemplated this blunder you made. Give them what they want. Yeah, right. It's the Jedi mind trick. Yes. And now that I tell you that here, now that you bring it up, I probably should have thought it that way. You are very thoughtful, hon. You know what, Pat? Yeah. You left her in a state of utter confusion. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Unfortunately... Yesterday, I forgot that strategy and, and basically said, "Oh, bloop, you know," and it went yeah. back to the old, it went back to the old argumentative way, and then that that resulted in several uh, hours of uh, of silence. So, which isn't all bad either. Yeah. So anyway, I got a question for you. Here I am. Right, so I'm I'm sitting down here in the in the uh, den. I'm I'm doing not much of anything. I hear this incredible scratching, gnawing sign sound right outside the the side of the house. Right. Yeah. I get we got vinyl siding. You know. Yep. I get out there. It's a squirrel doing something on something. I need Freddie Glasso with one of his cages, man. Ooh. What? What is what is he after? What do you think? Because it's it's either it's either cement back there or vinyl. Has he found a little crack and the vinyl's covering the old wood and he's in there chewing or what the hell is he well, doing? I, I don't. No, squirrels don't just randomly chew on wood. I don't know. You got They're a strange. Right. You got a strange behaving squirrel. I get I out do. of that house before it blows up. Just yeah. like dump. <laughs> I get to a Motel Six. It's I probably. Gotta, I gotta try to go back there and inspect, inspect it a little more to see what the hell he's chewing on. Wish I had my twenty-two pistol right now that I just have. Uh, well, there's the two. The thing is, you gotta, you gotta be able. They gotta be on the ground. You can't. They can't be up in a tree when you shoot that in, in the urban environment, right? Is it wrong for me to uh, trap chipmunks? No. No, God, no. Oh, God, no. Okay. Well, here's what happened. Uh, I got one. The first one I got, I put out on the boulevard, on the grass. Yeah. No one, no right. one, no one that someone would, a fox or something would come along and take it. And sure yeah. enough, it was gone the next morning. All right. Since then, I've put out four more and none of them right. have been taken. Really? Really? Yeah. I wonder if, do they get to the point of decomposition where it's beneath the fox to, to take off with that thing? <laughs> well, it could be beneath the fox, but you'd think a crow would come down and have a little lunch, wouldn't he? Yeah, a raccoon, maybe. Right. 
You know, this would not be a problem in Florida. Those turkey buzzers would be on that baby in a oh, yeah. few seconds. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they, uh, and a couple of times I've been driving out of there early in the morning and saw a dead raccoon and said, that baby will be gone by noon. You come back <laughs> right. about, right. come back two hours later, there's 25 of them fighting yeah. over dinner. Man. It looks like an alley cat, uh, you know, or the, <laughs> yeah. the fish right. there. So we got twins. Te- we got twins testing positive. Is that going to influence one, the sixty one game so, season? One so far. I, oh, one. If, if if a positive, I think three, two staff members, but maybe minor league guys. You know, and uh, and one 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 player on the sixty man team that they're going to assemble here. Apparently, they're going to have thirty guys practice at Target Field, and they hope to have thirty others practice at CHS Field. I read that a funny tweet. Read yeah. a funny tweet from Dick Bremer, who said he's been uh, he has been called now a tier three employee of the Twins, and he thought that was pretty impressive until he realized there's no tier four. <laughs> yeah. well, <that's laughs> what are reporters, Pat? What are seriously? Uh, what are reporters? I well, we're not employees. No, that's true. That's true. At this point. Uh, it's all up in the air, but at this point, it appears that no one—you're not going to be allowed to come to workouts, and uh, and uh, all interviews are going to be done by Zoom. And then during games, you'll uh, a certain select number from each media outlet will be allowed to attend. Mm-hmm. But again, no clubhouse access. Uh, at least at this point, so it's all Zoom interviews. I mean, even you can't get a guy at this point. You can't get a guy in the dugout before the game and have everybody stand ten feet away from him. Uh, none of that. Uh, that that's at this point, and that's still being negotiated between the BBWAA. But I have a hunch that the uh, employees of the Twins, uh, the, the TV crews and the radio crews, are going to have access and. Uh, the rest of us, at least for this year, on the outside looking in, and uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe if things get loosened up in September, which is unlikely. That used but, to be uh, one of my favorite parts of covering baseball was to hang out in the dugout and shoot the breeze with with Mock or yes. Quillacy or whatever. I just loved it. Yeah, well, that was that's always been the fun of it. Hell, I, you know, they, I think they instituted an hour and a half before the games now about four or five years ago, but back in the day, if you want to get there early, you got to wander in at 2 o'clock and see if anybody was standing on the Oh, yeah. And yeah. BS or whatever, go into the manager's office. And the, uh, you know, making out the lineup wasn't a science requiring uh, five analysts to come down and have long meetings. Uh, you know, it was the manager to come in. You know, in the case of uh, Mock or somebody, light up the heater and look at it for a while, look at some numbers for maybe... 20 minutes and scratch her down, and then he had nothing else to do, so he could go in a BS room. So. I told you this before, but I'll never forget it. I I go to the Yankee uh, Stadium. I'm in the Yankees' dugout. Hell, they didn't care back in the day. I'm in the Yankees' dugout. Oh, I'm, yeah, right, yeah. And Yogi's down at the end. I go, hi, Yogi. And he goes, he gives me a nod. He didn't know me. And I'm reading Rolling Stone. I've told you this story uh-huh. before. I'm reading Rolling Stone, and I can see that Yogi's eyeing me furatively. He's uh, he's wondering when he's going to get his hands on what he thinks is the sporting news. So uh, I, I kind of realize I kind of realize the old Yogi is thinking yeah. I'm reading sporting news. So I I put it down next to me and got up and kind of moved away a little. And sure enough, he scurried over there. 
and stole it right out from under me. <laughs> and then and then looked at it and threw it in a tr- trash can. Oh God, that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. That's the, that's the famous story about Verbeel. You know. Yeah. That someone mentioned Rolling Stone to him. Well, that was a Rolling Stone, and he thought they were talking about the band. He'd never heard of it. This is like 15 years after it started. Yeah. You know, he was so football focused that uh, that uh, that was it. Say, by the way, I sadly must report that I, I wrote a column about. Okay, hmm? give the Detroit Tigers a chance this year because those 81 Twins were as rotten as anybody, and with a week to go. Uh, they were in contention in the second half. The, mm-hmm. You remember the second half, 81 Twins. Mm-hmm. Well, I ran across a Joe Suchere column uh, when they were getting ready to start their last homestand, and they still had a chance, even though for the season they were like 25 games under 500, but in the second half they were like 500. Remember that? Yeah. But you're – your lead was, you know, I was, the, the attendance, they were getting like 4,000 a game, you know, for this Bennett race. And you're now, you're, you're looking up, it's, I think, September 26, 1981, and your column says he's, you know, unwatched and unlawed, you know, phony, uh, whatever it is. And I put the lead, I, I put in there, uh, that, uh, one reason for the poor attendance might have been why is it a young How's that phone working? There you go. Here we go. Is it, is it, have we gone bad here? Yeah, well, you went a little Scotland. Just there. the last couple of words. <laughs> Unwatched and unloved. I uh, something worse than that. I can't remember exactly yeah. what it is. Unfortunately, when I got done, I had 850 words, so I had to take out 100 words. But, uh, anyway, you, I had you in there on the young, uh, Whippersnapper columnists saying things such as you know, <laughs> how, how how artificial this whole thing was. was uh, but that team, that team was in the pennant race, and Roy Smalley, who started only 35 games in the field because of a injured back, led the team in home runs with seven, Joe. Wow. Wow. In a 109-game schedule. Wow. Seven. And they were in the race. So I'm saying, look out for the Tigers. In a 60-game season, anybody can win. Well, help me again. Why was that a 109-game year? Was there a strike? Well, they split the two months. They were off for two months. Remember the strike? June yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't come back for two months. Mm-hmm. And that they were 17-39 and 39 yep. the strike game. 17-39. and 39. Do you think... Uh... Smalley went into uh, Calvin's office and said, you know, I was the team leader in uh, home runs last year. <laughs> well, no, Calvin was so happy about that year that next year he traded Weidegger, Smalley. He's, in the first month of the year, he traded his whole team in the first yeah. month of the year in 82. When they first went into the Dome. People don't remember that when they opened the Dome, New shiny new dome. They didn't draw a million people. They drew like nine hundred forty thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. You know what the total attendance? They had more home games than any team in baseball because they just played the regular schedule. Yeah. So they had fifty nine home dates, four hundred sixty nine thousand. And that's something. Under eight thousand a game. Yeah, yeah. All right, Patrick. Have a uh, good weekend, sir. You too. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Thanks, Brooke. Brooke. Uh, 
coming back with a scramble? I think we're coming right back with the scramble. So right. uh, it's, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find the scramble button. I'm looking forward to. This. Where's the party? Scramble! Scramble! Yeah. We couldn't find where Reavers put the damn scramble. Yeah, full disclosure, that's what I was looking for. I could not not find Tony Lee's scramble rendition, which uh, mine does not compare to, but... uh... Rook, yesterday I was wondering why Mayor Melvin Carter selected as the new director of public works a guy named Sean Kershaw, who uh, Melvin plucked out of the... Uh, the Wilder Foundation. And okay. I, I merely wondered what background does he possibly have, but I got a interesting note. Excuse me, I'm having a Roycey-like gas attack. I can feel you being launched back. I got an interesting note from Mark Engdahl in Egan, who said, Joe, I heard you talking about Sean yesterday. I know Sean from the Citizens League, and he is a smart guy with, <clears throat> dare I say, some GL tendencies. That said, I thought his appointment odd. However, if you look back further in his background, you will see he worked for Mayor Norm Coleman for a number of years and has other experience in Omaha, experience I was unaware of. Uh, prior to the Citizens League, Sean served 11 years as project manager and deputy director for the City of St. Paul's Department of Planning and Economic Development. During his tenure, Sean managed the city's business resource center and served as business outreach liaison for the planning and economic development. He also coordinated the city's e-government, information technology, charter school, Y2K, community outreach, and education initiatives. Before coming to Minnesota, Sean was planning coordinator for the public housing authority in his hometown of Omaha, Nebraska. I, uh, Mark says, I, I wish Sean all the best and believe he will be an asset to a city in much need of assets. Well, that's good news. All right, we'll take that. That's very good news. Hail the flashlight king. Hail you! On the Thursday podcast, you briefly mentioned that the national debt has reached $26 trillion. That number is impossible to conceptualize. But I'm going to attempt it through distance. This guy did some. This is Dan. He did some serious math. The dollar bill is 6.14 inches long. If you were to line up all $26 trillion end to end and take a road trip from start to finish, at 60 miles an hour, it would take 4,793 years, 254 days, 14 hours, 24 minutes, and 14 seconds. Hmm. The Voyager 1 spacecraft, at 38,000 miles an hour, it would take 7 years, 207 days, 16 hours, 24 minutes, and 45 seconds. Of course, no one is concerned with the debt these days. I think we should be. Dan, I think we should be, too. Wow, that's a perspective. And uh, Aaron, the Florida panhandle trucker, Aaron's Aaron's a dude, writes... uh, Aaron, the Florida Panhandle trucker reporting in. The dust is just getting here in pencil in Pensacola. This is the uh, Sahara the dust, dust storm, storm yeah. that's so significant that it could even reach Minnesota, which I brought up yesterday on Positive Thursday as a ray of hope because it would be a connection to the Sahara Desert. We could just touch the air and we'd be connected. That would be neat, yes. Don't get overly excited about it back in Minnesota. Mainly, it's just a little hazy here so far. It's much like when Minnesota gets the smoke from Canadian wildfires. If nobody knew the dust was coming, most people probably wouldn't even notice. I'm hoping for some great sunsets on the Gulf this weekend, though. 
Also, the tourists are here and in huge numbers. You'd never know COVID-19 existed, even though it's mandatory 75% capacity rules are in effect, up from 50% two weeks ago. One delivery I had to a candy coffee shop right on the beach in Destin said in the several years he's worked there, he's never seen it so busy. Also, the guy with the seven-year-old GLer is right. My wife and I both left Minnesota just over two years ago for Pensacola. We got sick of the winters, getting taxed to death at an ever more insatiable rate. The constant need to keep pushing more programs and spending for everything other than the essentials and protesters getting bolder and fired up more and more about more and more things. Keep in mind, this was before COVID and the latest waves of riots and destruction. I wish I could say I miss it there. P.S. It's hot and humid here, as you can imagine. Please send chill boys. Good luck. Erida. Aaron, the Florida panhandle trucker. Thanks, Aaron. And because they come all the way to us from Mumbai, India. Mumbai. Which is the only reason I would ever do on this date in Minnesota history. They come to us from Tom Lyman. Let's hear Uh, Let me just pick one out here. Uh, uh, 1953. What happened in 53, brah? Bemidji native Jane Russell. And Marilyn Monroe, her co-star and gentleman prefer blonde, wow. immortalized their handprints at the forecourt of the stars at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Mm. And on this day in 1959, President Dwight D. Eisenhower and Queen Elizabeth II opened the St. Lawrence Seaway in an official ceremony in Montreal. The Seaway, of course, connects to the Great Lakes to the Atlantic Ocean, making Duluth and other lake cities international ports. And on this day. Was Judge Smells there with his uh, note? Yeah. To open the seaway? <laughs> I christened you the flying wasp. Kachunk. And on this day in 2004, light rail service on the blue line between downtown Minneapolis and Fort Snelling began. So wow. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, those are fun uh, little tidbits. But can you I t- only do them, Matt, because they come to us from Mumbai, India. I know, but I'd like you to tell me how I could have more fun this summer. What would make my summer a little more fun? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you that before you get on light rail right now, you might have more fun on a bike. Mm. An e-bike from EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. The Bintelli e-bikes with five levels of electric assist makes you feel like a he-man. You can go up and down hills. Yeah, just fantastic. And uh, Spencer's still giving. The uh, preseason discount to all GLers on the remaining uh, Bintelli e-bikes. The scooters are in stock. Those are the gas scooters that get about 75 miles to the gallon. They make every errand and adventure. It's my preferred method of transportation here in the sustainable urban core next to the country's tallest buildings. Uh, great service department at EcoFun. If your product needs service, Tim sends a truck through town, picks it up. Takes it back to the shop in Forest Lake, services it, and returns it to you for a nominal fee. It's a great way to get your service work done. Helmets, clothing, great line of uh, youth recreational uh, products. But, man, those Bintelli e-bikes, you know, biking's just taken off. Yeah. It's crazy. So I'm, I'm rooting for you to be able to get one, either that or one of the scooters, the Yamaha motorcycles, you name it. They've got it at EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61 because... Because we, we at the Garage Logic Podcast, we own, own Highway 61. EcoFun right. Motorsports right downtown Forest Lake. Thanks, Broski. Are you, uh, you're out of here. Uh, yeah, I bet you know, I got a great story for you. If you could just hang no, out. No, I got to I gotta talk to I'll start I got a, December, I got a guy here. I got to do a thing fall. here. Yeah. All right, you, uh, you head on out of here. I'll talk to you later.
Uh, I'm going to remind people that Pod MN on your uh, smartphone can get you all the Minnesota podcasts that you need to know about, including Garage Logic, Table Talk, The Fret Club, etc. And you can go on your computer to PodMN.com if you need a little bit of extra help. Also, we want to thank the fellows over at uh, Elevated Wine and oh, Spirits. Oh, are you okay? <laughs> you need a trip to Elevated Wine and Spirits. Oh, all my stuff fell on the floor. Oh, here. no. For five bucks, they'll get, deliver what you need at Elevated. Check them out. Give them a buzz. Their telephone number is 651-207-4415. They're at 4th Street and White Bear Lake, taking the modern liquor store to the next level. And we all know we want to be on a first-name basis with our liquor store owners. Suchi Boy, that's yes, going to wrap up this uh, Garage Logic podcast. Sorry about the scramble music. Reavers will tell me where it is for the next time, but uh, yeah. I think we'll be good to go. All right. You head out, brah. Uh, okay, broski. All right. That's the podcast, Garage Logic version. Well, wait a minute. I'll talk to you when you say. Yeah, I think I know how it works. We got her. All right. So check it out again. Pod MN, Elevated, Fred Loney's, Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. If you haven't planted anything or need some pots and plants, that's the place to go. Catch you next time, guys.